innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We here for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up we all gon' shine, work through adversity, stay on the grind, elevate, That's elevate, brutal. this is our time, elevate, elevate. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy, Josh. And Ridge. And we're grateful to be back on with you yet again. We're super stoked to have you because we got some stuff to talk about. Well, it's dramatic, baby. We will be getting into, well... There's, uh, you know, those battery plants and we've got a green economy. It's good for the economy if we go green, but we're not hiring people from here to work those plants. So we'll getting into that and all the politics around it. Secondly, also going to be talking about, we've got some things to clear up. There's a TikTok that uh, got, some, got resurrected uh, for us and then Reg got a little insecure and he was like, oh, i got to clarify some stuff on that. And as well, RB says, RBC says, we need more immigration, even though our system can't handle it. What do we do there? And last but not least, we also look at some other issues with around Bill C-11, people pushing it, also celebrities in general getting into politics, and oh, so much more. There's a lot to get into. Reg, how are you feeling, big dog? Good, but I'm feeling like there's so much stuff happening. Like, it's a wild time to be alive, honestly. Like, it just, <laughs> you read the news now, and it's just like, what is, what's going to be the next thing? Absolutely. So I feel like... Uh, I've been, I've been doing a good job. I've been kind of like, I've been going to the gym every morning, been like trying this meditation thing. I'm really bad at it. I'm realizing it's not really my jam. I'm sticking it out though. I'm going to do 30 days of it and see if it uh, improves my life at all. If it does, hopefully it does. That'll be good. I'll stick with it. But right now I'm like, I don't know how people do this and I'm only doing it for like five minutes. Dude, you're all, oh, wow. <laughs> it's Dude. not, it's not long. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, five minutes is a tough, tough place to start with meditation, man. I would start two minutes for yeah. someone like you. Two minutes, two minutes I was, I would suggest would be a victory for someone like you. Uh, so, someone like me, like ADHD prone kind of. hundred <laughs> percent. I started doing meditation uh, before uh, athletic sports, yeah. uh, at least competitive sports. And it, it was hard. It was really hard. If I could quiet my mind for two minutes, oh, amazing. By the end of it, I was getting a 10. But like, man, it was it was t- tough getting started on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding it. It's it's a little bit. Um, it's hard because I'm, I'm just like, this is woo woo. This is just ridiculous. Like, why do I not need to think right now? Why am I focusing on my breasts? But it's actually it is, I think, on like a small level, kind of like quieting that um, impulsive part of my brain. And it's funny because I've also I've been doing a lot of research into Daniel Amen. He's a, a physician down in the States who specializes in brain health and uh, specifically in like anxiety, dis- uh, depression, ADHD, um, bipolar disorders. So a lot of mental health stuff. And he talks about how it's like, you know, you got to do these things. You got to eat your ginkgo. You got to have your omega threes and and uh, exercise every day and, and do your meditation and do your breathing and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and put some of this into practice, see how, uh, how this works. Um, I already failed a little bit because I went out for some drinks on the weekend and you're not Ooh. supposed to drink, <laughs> but, but it was really good and I enjoyed it. So I was like, okay, I, I didn't go crazy. I just had like a couple, but you know, 
Yeah, I just had a, just had a couple beer. Uh, good stuff. Well, that was probably solid 2,000 cows for you. Yeah, exactly. One sitting. Gee. Yeah, it's uh, speaking of kind of crazy things that have been going on um, here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We're going to start light because we're getting into the heavy stuff later, but we're going to stay light right now. Yeah, speaking of calories, yeah, right? Yeah, speaking <laughs> of calories, we had a man here in Halifax, Nova Scotia, put up flyers around the city saying he was going to be sitting at a cemetery beside the prime minister's grave eating five pounds of potato salad. And he said, rain or shine, we are putting this thing on. And he put on a show. <laughs> he sure did. This man showed up and he showed out in the pouring rain with at least 7,500 people around him, I would say. And even the cops showed up to flash their headlights on him and let him be able to see what he's eating. He only got three pounds though. Yeah, I know. It was funny because the Halifax Examiner, they were looking at and they said, at its peak, they had they estimated around three hundred people. Three hundred at its peak, like obviously that dissipated in and out. But I was just like, this is wild. I love it. It's lighthearted. It's good, clean fun. It's just a dude eating potato salad, and people loved it. They literally ate it up. <laughs> yeah, people, but they're pumped about it. I I had friends. Uh, DMing me about this on Thursday, Friday last week. And they're like, you catching this? I was like, well, that's interesting. We'll see what happens. And usually people do stuff like this because it was such a, I mean, we have like a, a screenshot of it here of just like the flyer is is awful. <laughs> it's all <laughs> like, who's going to show up to this? <laughs> a lot of people showed up to it. <laughs> it it kind of added to the the fun of it, right? I don't know if you remember um, in Toronto a couple years ago, they had dead raccoon T.O. It was trending. Mm-hmm. The raccoon died and uh they were trying to get uh the city of toronto to come clean it up and they wouldn't so basically what they did is they just memorialized this raccoon they put like pictures and flowers and candles and it was just getting outrageous it was like spilling out onto the street the amount of crap people were bringing for this like raccoon memorial (laughs) and eventually the city came and cleaned it up but people just had like (laughs) so much fun with it and like this is exactly what this reminds me of or the agave plant like Mm -hmm. back in a couple years ago people just need a release and like this is awesome like it's stupid it's dumb like good wholesome great. family fun baby <laughs> bring out the kids they want to see it yeah it was uh i again as i said i didn't take it seriously but to see people that showed up for it was awesome and the guy he's you know he's seen his tiktoks he's a He's, an ex- he's a dude, you know, he's a dude who's just enjoying his life and, you know, more power to him, right? But we had to start off with that because it was funny. But speaking of like memorializing things, do you remember, this would have been like I think four years ago now, when the Sullivan's Crossing geese got run over? No. <laughs> oh, dude. So this was like Sullivan's Pond, you mean? Sullivan's, yeah. So that's it. You said Sullivan's Crossing, the show that both of our wives are loving. Yeah. And it's funny because I live on the street that they film the show at. And so Jen takes the baby out for walks so that she can casually go by and have a look and see if she can see Chad Michael Murray. That's his name. I was like, what's that dude's name? Yeah. The blonde dude. Anyway, like to see if she can see him. And then she like messages the group and Chelsea or uh, Kelsey responds. She's like, do you see Chad? <laughs> Chad, is he there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Sorry. Solvent's pond. Uh, Solvent's pond geese. So this was four years ago. Something happened. It was sad. It was rough. But this was my, this was a great experience of what Halifax culture is like, specifically Dartmouth culture is like here in Nova Scotia. So there was a day where a car wasn't paying attention driving down Sullivan, or sorry, down, uh, would have been Octoloni at the time. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, Prince Albert. Uh, driving down Prince Albert. 
and geese are they're iconic they're iconic here in dartmouth they don't just they don't just cross over the road they use the crosswalk to get across the road from the pond over the field across the way the person wasn't paying attention ran over the geese killed like one or two of them feathers everywhere you mean a halifax driver hit somebody at a crosswalk imagine that (laughs) dark but it's true (laughs) i mean hey we don't discriminate just humans only you know um yeah so that happened and people lost their minds they called for this person to be arrested they called for a trial to take place this person received death threats when they found out who it was and then they proceeded to have a benefit concert <laughs> at the Sullivan's Pond. And uh, this was wild. Anyone who remembers this, you know, shout it out. I know I'm talking about it lightly now. Uh, at the time, it was super heavy on the community. Someone who's from Toronto, I definitely kept quiet. I kept my mouth <laughs> shut. I was like, I, I remember running into like, I was in like barbershops and people are bringing up laughing about it. And there are people who took it personally and like each other's throats in a barbershop over the story about how it's not a laughing matter. This is serious stuff. <laughs> I'm like, wow, remind me not to talk around you. So, you know, people get fired up about their little things around here for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I hope those people also don't eat the rotisserie chickens at, uh, <laughs> at Loblaws <laughs> or Costco. Yeah. Uh, Gee, but like, so I guess we can, we can sort this out right now. You know what? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll start with this. So we had a TikTok that went a little, uh, viral at first and, uh, you know, it did okay. I just say viral. It went in like 10, 12 K and then, and then it kept growing and then it popped again and it popped from 10 K all the way up to, I think we're at 76,000 plays now. <laughs> and Raj was messaging me saying, Oh man, I wish that wasn't going. Cause I, I messed up. I didn't fully get all the details involved, but here we'll play this first and then we'll jump into the details. If anybody has used the 23 and me kits, they just recently had a breach, lost a crap ton of personal information and insurance companies are very, very hungry for this information. The big problem in Canada is that we don't have any protections for genetic information. So if we keep moving along the trajectory that we're going, where insurance companies keep lobbying our current government, getting more things passed that are not in the interest of Canadians, they're gonna be able to use information like this that they harvest to then use again you to say oh you're 23 percent likely to have breast cancer in the future we're going to take that into account when we adjust your rates and the senate in their wisdom actually recognized that put forward a bill to protect the genetic information of canadians it went to the house of commons and trudeau's liberals shot it down we golf with the insurance companies they don't want this <laughs> speak for yourself sir what happened there so that's 98% correct. Mm. The big thing that's not correct in there is the fact that we don't have any genetic protections because, and this is actually where I was like, actually really grateful for the people on TikTok that like, they called me out. They're like, no, Reg, we, we passed that bill. It actually passed. I was like, that doesn't seem right. I remember a different story. That's because where I stopped following that story was where it got defeated. Um, so if we go back in time, it's 2016. The Senate is like, we need some protections for genetic information in Canada. Trudeau's government was like, no, nah, we don't. And the Senate was like, yeah, we do. Insurance companies lobbying the crap out of the House of Commons. And Trudeau was like, nope. Senate put forward the bill, 
passes in the Senate, goes to the House of Commons, and uh, it gets sent back to the Senate for revisions. They said that it's, it's too restrictive, um, we don't like it, revise it, water it down. The Senate was like, uh, no, we actually like it kind of how it is. We'll, we'll change a few things in it, a few keywords. We'll, we'll take out some other stuff. We'll send it back. It gets sent back to the House of Commons. We're now into 2017. Trudeau advises his party not to vote in favor of this bill. He says, do not vote for this bill. By the way, I won't be there for the vote. <laughs> I'll be out of town. And they're all like, what? And so his cabinet does not vote for the bill. The backbenchers, on the other hand, said, nah, this is actually in the best interests of Canadians. We need to vote for this bill. They pass it. So the other part of this that is true is actually in this bill, because I had to dig through so much information to see who voted for it, what was included in it, what was excluded, what got removed. Um, what was interesting is that, so insurance companies can't demand upfront that you do a genetics test, but if you have done a genetics test, they can require that information to um, make your insurance policy either null or void. So if you have done a genetics test and you have um, gotten treatment, like say you're in the case of uh, Angelina Jolie, she did her genetics test, found out that she had that genetic marker for breast cancer, she had a mastectomy. And uh, you didn't tell the insurance company that, your policy is null and void. So they can use the genetic information against you. The other thing too is that um, insurance companies don't disclose their recipe for how they det determine um, their, what do they call, what you call it, like the rates they charge you. Um, and so one of the things that the Senate was trying to get was trying to get that genetic information not included in that recipe. And so that was actually excluded from the bill. And so with the bill, um, you can't be discriminated against. However, insurance companies at their leisure, if they have the genetic information available to them by whatever means, um, they can then use that information to determine your rates. And that's legal. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the story. But the fun part is that, so in Trudeau's not in the House of Commons to, to vote on something that he told his party not to vote for, which I thought was very funny because that's his classic disappearing act. Where was he? He was in Toronto meeting with BlackRock, meeting with State Street, meeting with all these like very, very influential um, firms that we know today are kind of like monopolizing the world. I thought that was an interesting piece of information that, you know, he must have like went to that dinner and said, well, you know, guys, I've instructed my, I've instructed my colleagues not to vote, but you know, unfortunately I think it might pass and, uh, but you know, I'm here. So, right. <laughs> like, I was like, what is he doing? So for my, I'll ask this question for all my liberal friends out there. I'll ask you this directly. I, I personally understand or know that the liberal party typically stands, especially Trudeau, typically stands for the working class, for the everyday person. Why would you think Trudeau would instruct his party to vote against a bill that would be beneficial for people? So I actually missed it another piece of information because there's so much to the story. Um, he claimed that it was infringing on the rights of the provinces to um, govern their own healthcare systems. Oh, so, so he, he now he cares about he, provincial uh, 
health or sorry provinces having ownership over their health yeah system. got it cool so anyway so that was the claim so they actually after it like passed in the house of commons he sent it to the supreme court as its challenge um got cabinet to send it to the supreme court the supreme court sent it back said no no, no it's fine it's clear it's good to go that can become a law <laughs> and so it was like he opposed it every step of the way and like i said it's because it's not in the interest of in, of insurance companies to um have any protection over genetic information and so all of the epidemiologists and the doctors and healthcare workers are saying we need this information to plan for public health so that if we know that there's a propensity for um heart disease or cancer or diabetes in a certain population we can see it genetically um, in a location we can put resources in place or we can treat people preventatively or we can do all kinds of manner of different things. The other thing too is that people weren't getting genetically tested because they were worried about it affecting things like their credit rating, their ability to get a job because they didn't want some kind of genetic marker to come out that says, you know, in 20 years you might have back trouble or something like that and then be a liability for the company. So like they were very, very wise to put this forward and then to have this pass. It's only in the interest of the insurance companies and the corporations that this bill would not pass. So for him to instruct that, like it just, it clearly shows where his allegiances lie. It's to the insurance companies, it's not to the people. And so that's the fun story of Bill S201. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, like that one I just have a hard time with, right, Reg? Because I've just always known uh, the liberal government, specifically Justin, Justin Trudeau, is one who is always making sure he's looking out for us and making sure he's fighting against the big big businesses and, and big corporations. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm shocked that he would instruct his party to vote against the our our good natures. Yeah, I, I was aghast. You know? mm. <laughs> and obviously, I'm being super sarcastic with all this. I but was clutching my pearls, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it just comes back to, mainly because this has been a week of, of, I wouldn't say reckoning, that's a little drastic, but uh, opened my eyes a lot. Or as we've been posting more on TikTok again or just in, on different social channels, I'm starting to see a lot of people from particularly the left who attack us consistently on things we post, uh, things we share, our stances on things. And anytime I've asked a question, uh, for example, it was a, I can't remember what the video was, but someone who's left-leaning said that they would never vote Pierre Polyev um, because he's a racist and misogynist. And, or actually, no, didn't even say that. No, they said that they are just really concerned and like uh, about some of the things that he's been talking about and some of his rhetoric. Um, they would never want him and they want Justin Trudeau in. And then I had to ask, like, what about Pierre Polyev is concerning to you? Like, what about his rhetoric has been of an issue to you? And that's what they said. Oh, he's mis he, he included tags of misogyny in his YouTube videos, uh, for one. And there's so many other things. Uh, but only name that one. And it's just stuff like this where people come in, not the most informed, but coming in with their feelings uh, and coming in with their biases of what they think is right or what the, how they think the world works and not actually looking at the facts of what's happening around them directly day to day. And that's why I'm obviously just trying to spell this whole thing out with the Bill S2201. The people who, who claim they're on your side, always be criticizing them. Always be looking at them with a critical eye. This goes for the people who listen to the show who are, tend to be right-leaning. The minute Polyev's in, 
I hope you're critical of everything he does. Because the left's definitely going to be that way. We all know that's coming. But make sure that you're honest and making sure that your politicians and your MPs are standing up for you. Because let's get real. There's a lot of ridings out there where they're just kind of be planting conservative MPs who don't aren't really in the community. It's something Jennifer talked about on our show a couple weeks ago. These people aren't really locked in with what's going on in your community. So make sure you're holding them accountable, those MPs accountable for taking care of your community, advocating for you guys, doing their job, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because they're wearing blue doesn't mean that they're going to be looking out for you. And the same thing goes to the other side. Just because they're they're wearing red doesn't mean they're advocating for you. You always got to hold their feet to the fire. Yeah, exactly. And I actually really appreciate people who held our feet to the fire over this uh, TikTok because it made it a really interesting story. Because it was funny because at first it was just like, you know, in my mind, I was like, Trudeau shot this down. This is annoying. And it's like, no, no, no. Trudeau was devious. Mm. And then absent. And then at dinner with BlackRock. And I'm like, this is scandalous. <laughs> like, what, what is happening here? Sent it to a legal challenge with the Supreme Court. Like, was doing everything. And then his backbenchers came forward and said, no, we actually are voting in favor of the Canadian public. So my question to the Liberal Party is, where are those backbenchers now? Mm. Like when they look at what's happening to this country and they say, you know, okay, well, before when we saw something that was not in the interest of Canadians, we we stood against and, and voted against our cabinet, voted against our, our prime minister. Why aren't they doing that now? Where's that backbone now? I think, yeah, because you said that was back in 2016. 2016, 2017. So, yeah. yeah, definitely in those days, early days, first two years two and a half years of Trudeau's reign as prime minister, it was a lot easier to go against him because he didn't know who you were dealing with at first. And then, you know, you start seeing him dismiss certain people when they start speaking up. And I think as time went on, especially when he hit 2020, mm-hmm. people are, are afraid for their jobs and afraid to speak out against this man because he's, he's uh, as Roseanne would say, a little tyrant. <laughs> and... Uh, and, you know, he, he has tyrannical tendencies, 100%. Yeah. Um, and uh, what do you do with someone who has such a big ego, who controls your job for the most part? Yeah. Are you going to speak up? People, I'm, I'm someone who likes to think of someone, I'm, I'm somebody of integrity. I don't really care what's on the line. If it's wrong, it's wrong. But if it's right, it's right. I will speak out against it, no matter what it's going to cost me. But that, that's not everybody. People are people. And we are self-preserving by nature. Mm-hmm. So if you if you speak out against the leader of your party, and it means you're going to lose out on your $250,000, dollars salary every year, and then you'll actually have to start thinking about what you're going to cut with your family, uh, what expenses you're going to cut so you can make budget. Um, that's concerning. That's that's spooky. I don't want to. That's not the people out there aren't worth my family. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard, right? And it's hard that people are actually in that place Mm -hmm. and like i said last week i was like we just need to actually have some kind of real check and balance i remember like doing politics in uh university and then being like the check and balance is the the voter and it's like no it's not (laughs) like we get a chance like once every four years once every five years to like cast a ballot and like jennifer said like you know that ubi is coming as their golden ticket and it's gonna sway a lot of people because they've created a system right now where people are in dire straits and people are worried about 
where they're going to make the money up for their, their payments on their home, their car. Like I was looking at the amount of like delinquencies that are up for vehicles now. It's just absurd. And the amount of um, luxury homes like Ontario is just like their real estate market is melting right now. And people are worried. People are scared. So I'm looking at this going, yep, we've got our landscape perfectly ripe for Trudeau to come in and be like, by the way, everyone, we have UBI now, but it's going to vary regionally. And it's going to also vary based on your income. And it's also going to maybe even vary based on your political leaning. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll just take the U out of the UBI. On yeah. That, eh? yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the me BI. Cause I get to uh, have the final say on who gets it. <laughs> <laughs> we all love that. Yeah. I think the, you bring up some good points there, man. And uh, that's kind of where our, I guess that's kind of the tone for the rest of this episode is things I'm starting really starting that we're learning things that we're discovering. Uh, we're just going to be very honest from what we're coming from, what we're seeing and how it's going to affect us directly. I think Daniel Falk had, who is a, he's a real estate guy, right? Uh, he's an economist. Economist, that's what yeah. it is. Um, I think it's Foch. Is it Foch? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> In the spirit of. <laughs> yeah. uh, fair play. Uh, we'll find out, I guess. And, uh, but, you know, he was talking about, you know, when these interest rates get cut here in June. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, supply and demand makes sense that prices are going to rip. But if prices are getting to a point where only 10% of the population can afford houses, are the houses really, the prices really going to rip? Or as much as we think we're going to? I think it was, um, I'm not going to name the agency. I think I want to say it was, I don't I think I'm pretty sure it was the Bank of Canada. The Bank of Canada or, Bank of Canada or CMHC was predicting that as soon as rates start dropping, we're going to see about an 89% increase in overall real estate sale, um, pricing. Mm-hmm. change that's crazy man yeah like that's saying you're you're telling me a four hundred thousand dollar house is gonna be upwards worth of 750 yeah that's and it's already expensive from where it was four three four years ago at like 250 yeah like it's I, we don't know what's gonna happen obviously because we have fewer and fewer people who can make these purchases what how's that actually gonna uh, affect the price Supply and demand comes in, in the equation there, but yeah, we'll see what happens, man. Well, I mean, the real solution is to just immigrate a bunch of people. Mm. <laughs> oh, he's making it. He's making the turn. Uh, yeah, National Post wrote about this, and RBC is coming out saying that Canada needs more immigration, which I think is very fascinating. Uh, the title of the article here is Canada needs a lot more immigrants, almost double the current rate in the long run, RBC is saying. Report further adds that a pause in pushing numbers higher makes sense for now, given the ongoing housing crisis. I had to get there, get that out there. But yeah, this is. I mean, there's a there's a there's an issue here. I I let's try to take the conspiracy th- side out of it for now. Face value, RBC saying we need more immigrants. That's partially true. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know where we just aren't having enough babies. Exactly. Period. And we are, the reason why we're trying to run these immigration numbers is, again, we'll pull the WEF side out of it for now, but Canada, the government wants, is trying to just artificially inflate our our economy, artificially trying to make sure it keeps going uh, with bringing immigrants to make up for the fact that none of us are having kids. Um, And that's kind of, that's an issue. Like, why are people not having kids? Well, they can't afford them, is one. 
Um, there's a lot of rhetoric out there that um, uh, me culture, I'd say. But what about me? I care about myself. Um, being a parent naturally means that you're going to take a backseat for the rest of your life. That's not appealing, especially to our generation of people. Um, and, and the reasons go on and on from there. I'd be curious from your perspective as a dad, why you think people aren't having kids. I know you've had, you are a person who loves talking to people and loves talking to a wide variety of different types of people. Yes, immigrants are coming in to try and, you know, make up for the fact that we're not having kids. First off, let's get into why do you think we're not having kids? Uh, it's just too expensive. Mm. It's out and out too expensive. Like people are looking at it going, I can't barely even afford my own life. And then I have to bring a child into this equation and I don't have the proper housing to support another child, like another human being. Like the big thing that we found that was most challenging is that we had to buy a house because um, we just didn't have the space. We didn't have the square footage for the baby. Like the baby was in our bedroom with us and I was using the other room as an office because I had to work from home. And then I had to move my office into our dining room. And so that with the baby, we could have some space so that we would actually have a bedroom again. Um, that's not appealing at all. That's not even appealing to me. And I'm, I love kids. Um, and so when people are looking at that and going, I have to now come up with some kind of new housing arrangement and I'm locked in right now at a rent rate that I can afford and that I'm not drowning under. And the next you know, three bedroom now that I need because I need one room for me and my partner. I need one room for an office because everybody works from home or does a blended. Um, and then I need a room for the baby. They're like, I, you know, I can't find that at a, a rate that I can afford. And then they're like, also, I can't find a house that I can buy for that. Um, that will be at a rate that I can afford to raise a child in. And I don't want to raise a child in an apartment complex, I want to be able to give them the backyard and, and the school and the community feel. So there's a lot of that happening. And uh, the other part of it is just like, people are looking at like the daycare shortage. Like right now, like I'm trapped in that right now where I'm looking at the fact that for every um, daycare spot, there's three children in Nova Scotia fighting for it. We just don't have enough spots, a three to one ratio. So when February rolls around and my wife goes back to work, I'm sitting here going, okay, I guess I'm going to be, you know, work at home, dad, stay at home, dad, um, while also trying to build my business, while also trying to work with the health authority, while also trying to do my education and then be a full-time parent at the same time. That's not appealing. Like I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but that's the future I'm looking at. So it's, it's hard. And then any chance that you get to like even get ahead a little bit comes right off your child tax benefit. So the maximum you can amount you can get is like 680 or something like that. We're sitting around like 220 as our benefit that comes in every month. And it's like, we could use that extra 400 bucks. Like that's food. Like I dropped like half a grand on groceries the other day and only ended up with like a couple bags. I was like, this is wild. I'm not buying luxury items. I'm buying meat, vegetables, like, you know, healthy food. Cause we have to now cut that up and cook it and, and give it to her. Cause she's on, you know, solid foods. So all these things combined makes parenthood look outrageously undesirable. So even if you have the desire to be a parent, when you see all the barriers and odds stacked against you, you're like, I don't know if I can do it. And then the other rhetoric that I'd say a lot less than like the, the me and what about me? I think that one's a little bit of a, a straw man. I think the bigger argument is that people are like, the world is burning down. 
global warming is crazy. There's wars everywhere. Now is not a good time to have a child. And people take that to heart. They do. And it's like, you have to almost remember, like, if you're worried about the bad people in the world, like maybe have some good people of your own that you can raise and give good values to and that, you know, counterbalance things. Um, but that's just not happening. So it's, there's like a whole bunch of stuff, but the big thing comes down to affordability. People don't feel like they can afford it. And so the government right now is going, we have all these people who are living longer, who are aging more and who have all these ailments that we have to pay for in our socialized healthcare system. Um, we don't have the population to support the baby boomers. boomers. So we're going to immigrate all these younger people to try and prop up the baby boomer generation. That's like, and they were talking about the UBI trial that they're doing in Newfoundland only affects the baby boomers. Like the, everything that they're doing right now is for the benefit of the baby boomers. Cause who's in power right now? The baby boomers. Mm. It's self-preservation again. Good points, man. Appreciate <laughs> bringing that up. Um, yeah, I can see it's interesting. You kind of write the, uh, the idea of it, uh, the me idea being a, uh, straw man argument. I can see that to a degree. Um, but I do think, yeah, I think that's also a good point. Cause I've heard that probably more so is the idea i think okay yeah i'll say i'll leave it at this i think for the millennial generation i'd say yeah like climate alarmism is a huge reason why people aren't having kids uh it's a conversation I, it's consistent in my my friend circle mm -hmm. of like oh uh, everything's burning up and uh the weather's out of control and uh, no one ca seems to care about it they just that yeah, like, that's that's the narrative I, I hear consistently and uh and yeah, I think that is a, a huge concern. How do you convince people to have kids? Well, I think that comes down to trying to make it appealing. Like, how do you give supports to new parents? Daycare is a huge issue. I, you know, I was talking to a just a recently new friends of ours who are about to have a kid who were told that you, as soon as you conceive or before you conceive, put your the name down at a daycare. Yeah, it's going to take two to three years at the least to get in. And there's like, well, baby's not even here yet. How does they have a name? What do I do? It's like, well, baby, whatever your last name is. Yeah. Baby Manzer. Exactly. You know, and like, that's just kind of where we're at here in Nova Scotia. And I'm sure there's other parts of the country that are feeling that way too. Most of the country is. Yeah. So people who are listening to the show, they understand it. They feel the pain. And uh, those who are parents would be kind of curious to hear more of your perspective on this and just throw it into our show and send us a DM, whatever it may be. Talk to us. We want to hear more about you from you on this issue. Um, but I think these are some real problems of why we're not having kids, why there's less people being born here, and uh, and be able to help out. You know where they did it well, Quebec. Oh no, Quebec did it well. Screw off. You know how they did it well? They were like, "Well, we need more Quebecers to uh, boost the French language." So they gave massive amounts of money to families in Quebec. Um, to have children and it worked mm. it worked it's Quebec's like, population went up because amazingly if you give parents the financial means to take care of their kids well they start having kids imagine <laughs> that. imagine yeah so it's like a really easy way to like help the rest of Canada is like looking at the child tax credit stop putting all these like limitations on it just give people the full amount mm. that's step number one Step number two, increase the amount. <laughs> like, make it attractive to have kids in this country and then people will actually have them. So here's a, I, this is one I hear come, comes up quite frequently, especially when it come out, comes out to 
given money to people who have kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, You then have the issue of uh, this tends to happen or people bring up the argument that you have the mom who then has five, six, seven, eight kids with like seven or eight different partners um, because they get the money from it. And then you have more kids that then relying on a system because some of these people are not capable of, of raising children. How do you defend against something like that? And like, do you think that's an actual argument? Yeah, I think it's actually like pretty easy to defend against that one because right now the only people who qualify for the full amount are the people who are at the lowest levels of the system. Mm. So of course they're going to take advantage of that because they can. And right now, um, even if you just look at the current levels of, of support that you give out for children, like the people who are going to take advantage of it are already taking advantage of it. You're always going to have that in a system where you provide any kind of support. It was the same thing that happened with Serb. People who like tried to swindle it, did it. Um, so you're always going to have bad actors. The thing is you want to incentivize the good actors to do the thing that you want. So you want to build an intervention that's actually going to attract those people. So if you look at it right now and you say, okay, the people that you want to attract to have children can't qualify for the full amount. And then even if they did get the full amount, it's not going to cover basics. Why would they, why would they then do that? It's not attractive to them. So you have to make it attractive to them. And one of the things that I was looking at too was um, the longitudinal study on happiness that was done by Harvard University. They looked at where your best money, your best government dollars could be spent. And they said it was on children from the, the time they were born to the age of five. They said that is the best bang for your buck when it comes to spending on your population. They said, pour the most money into it. And they said, where's this current money going right now in our system? The old folks, the baby boomers, the people at the end of their life. No hate against them. I'm sorry, but you're not providing the most value for the society. It's just like, you're you're not. And so if you provide parents with more money when those children are at their youngest point, that, you know, zero to five, you're actually building a better society. You're building more productive workforce. You're building more free thinkers, more artists, more inventors, more creatives, people who make the world a better place. You're actually investing in that. But does that happen? No. And also, the people who are more likely to raise children, this might be a controversial idea, but the people who are going to raise children who are going to be more likely to succeed in society are getting the least amount of help. That's messed up. So just give parents more money and give them more money to take care of their kids. Interesting. All right. <laughs> Guess back to the point at hand where this conversation stemmed from was what RBC said in this article uh, was saying that the government is doing the right thing, keeping immigration levels unchanged from its previous targets, but adds that in the long term, more newcomers will be needed to stabilize the age structure of the country and keep the economy rolling. Um, that's just the reality of people not have enough kids. Even the current annual immigrant intake of 1.3% of the population is not sufficient to stabilize the age structure, which would require about 2.1%, it said. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The age structure. Yeah. That's ex- that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. They're like, we have all these people about to retire who are all going to be using healthcare, who are all going to be using government support, CPP, old age security. Inverted pyramid. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking at, and they're terrified. Yeah. Yeah, and like, what does this do to a country? I know I'm definitely, uh, for those who are are more left-leaning, I'm definitely uh, trotting on territory that makes me sound like a bigot. But let's just talk reality. 
what happens to a country and the identity of a country when you have more immigrants come? There's more immigrants, period, than people who are born here and born the, inherently with the values. Like, what ends up happening? I don't think I've ever really seen that before. Just but, ask the native population, they'll tell you. <laughs> they know pretty clearly what happens when you have a lot of immigrants. It changes the entire culture of the land. Gee, what are you going there? <laughs> Gee. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to happen. So, like, it's just like people are going to bring their beliefs and values and with a country that's already struggling with having a strong identity. Like, Canada's never been a period. has never been a country that's been strong with their identity. It's mm-hmm. been like, yeah, they're passive people who love hockey and maple syrup that's always been the trope whereas like what's the trope with america freedom (laughs) america guns eagles yeah (laughs) you know red white and blue (laughs) you know do that in a small town (laughs) (laughs) but you know you know like obviously it comes with you know it's drawbacks at times but that is one like that is one culture that's being trying to be subverted right now that they're having a hard time with because it's so ingrained in them of like just that's who they are. Canada's super easy to mess with because we've never really had a strong identity. I don't I personally don't believe we've ever had a strong identity here. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that too, because I look at it and when you do, when you ask Canadians, you're like, What are you proud of in this country? People say free healthcare. And then they kind of look like, well, but you know, like healthcare is not doing so hot right now. And they're like, mm-hmm. so they mull it over and they're like, oh, you know, we have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It's like, oh, well, but you know, like if you don't believe what, you know, the going belief is of the day, then you're kind of ostracized from society. And it's like, you know what I mean? So we're, we're watching a lot of our like golden rule values, you know, just kind of being crumbled. Absolutely shredded. <laughs> yeah. Cheese. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And that's kind of been my thing too in general. Whereas like I I don't know how it happened. I grew up in, in cities my whole life, which are typically left leaning. But somehow I came out of that with more right leaning values. <laughs> don't fully understand how that happened or I worked. Know. And I grew up in the country and have more left leaning yeah. values. <laughs> yeah, we're we're walking contradictions. I out know. Here. Um, which makes it a good conversation though, because honestly, like maybe it's just our personalities where we re- reject the belief system that's kind of imposed on you. Cause I did, I grew up in an area where it was like, you wore camo, you had your hunter's orange hat and you got your moose ticket and you know, you drank beer and Jesus and like, you know, <laughs> drank beer and Jesus. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. <laughs> and that was, that was life. And it was like, you read a book, you were gay. <laughs> it was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's probably where you and I are very similar. And what we have our similarities is we've never really done well with authority. No. Period. Uh, and so anyone who's imposing anything on us is we're going to go the opposite way. And that's probably what we're seeing there. I, I know. And like the worst part too is like I had to come to that realization after my last job where I was just like, man, why is it that I always get in trouble with like senior leadership? Never like my coworkers on the same level than me, not even like the manager level above me. It's always like the most important person. Why do I have such a problem with that person in particular? Yeah, a problem with authority, I guess. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, it's, uh, I, this is what, I mean, this is the whole, I think, vibe of the show is the calling out authority. Period. Yeah. That's where this is going. But um, yeah, it comes back to the, the issue again. Uh, this is how I grew up of just having, like, I was, uh, because of having more right-leaning values, I was, I was proud to be Canadian. I was really proud to be Canadian. Anyone, any American who crapped on me for being Canadian, oh, I went at them 10 times harder. Like, I was really, when I was younger, I was really passionate about being Canadian. As I grew older, kind of 
I had other values that trumped my residence where my residence is. Um, but I remember being asked by somebody, it's like, well, you're Canadian, you're proud to be Canadian. What does it mean to be a Canadian? I, that was the time where I was like, I actually don't know how to answer that question. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Like hockey, like yeah. I, maybe <laughs> we're good at hockey, you know? And, but like, I really, I remember I, I was probably, I was 16 years old at the time. And someone asked me, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. And then that's like uh, that idea permeated in the back of my mind since then of like, what is our identity as a country? What, who are we? What do we even stand for? Why are we so weak? What are we doing out here? Why? And I think that's what led to a breeding ground for someone like Justin Trudeau to come in and do what he's done. Because we're just like, we have assumed the best in everybody. We think they're doing the right thing. And we then let them boss us around. Uh, and I think that's kind of personally what I've seen. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you talk about like identity because I think that is what Canada is having right now is an identity crisis. Like we talk about the lack of unity. We talk about like the like historical level division that we've never experienced before. And we do, we blame it on the States. We're like, oh, you know, the States is divided right now. So now we are too. And it's like, well, why? You know, Norway isn't divided because the States are. Like, right. like, you know, they don't give a crap. Uh, so it's like, what is it? Like, what is our identity? And I think that if you have a leader that can articulate that well, like this is our identity. These are the things we believe in. This is what it means to be Canadian. I think that they will do well. Mm. And I think that, you know, it's kind of like the Obama, you know, we can do it or yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yeah. Like that, that kind of mantra I think it's like sorely needed because I think right now, like I'm seeing a lot of like Pierre Polyev kind of like being like Trudeau sucks. And we're all like, yeah, everybody's waving their after flags. <laughs> but I think at the same time you need to be like, and here's why we're great. And I don't think that message is happening. So I think that, I think that it's gotta, it's gotta happen. But uh, I don't know how you do that skillfully at the same time as saying like Trudeau sucks it's it's hard right because you got to keep people angry enough that they're not going to vote for them but also like just to protect the the country from complete collapse you need to have some kind of unifying message yeah and i don't know how you do both and i think he's like for me I, there's a couple messages some of his messaging i've actually appreciated on that level um where you know the, what he's been trying to sell is trying to sell the Canadian dream again mm -hmm. that it can be possible to be successful here and prosper. Um, and his like his go-to is like doesn't matter if you're you know you're you're Chen or you're Smith or you're Singh or you're Davis, you can succeed here in Canada as long as you put in the effort and you try your hardest. That's what we want to restore here. Like he's done that speech a couple times, mm -hmm. um, but I think he's gonna really hit on that come like an actual election cycle, as he said. Like I, like we've talked about it time and time again. He's just seeing him in interviews. He's very calculated. Oh yeah. And there's a reason why he's just that that's all. He's just harping on the trio sucks drum. And I think it's purposely because I think he's waiting um, to start actually getting his real messaging out there. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, but so battery plants, baby. Oh, I know <laughs> the global news coming out. Uh, this came up in a, a group I was a part of, which I thought was really interesting. But taxpayer subsidized Stellantis battery plant potentially importing international workers. What's going on with this, brother? So this is in, uh, over in Ontario in uh, Windsor. 
where they have a battery plant that they're looking to put it forward and that they had built with taxpayer funds. And the promise has always been, we move away from oil, we go to a green economy, we'll have jobs, we'll keep jobs, won't lose any jobs, and we'll have a cleaner, better country. And they build a battery plant. And they say, hey, South Korea, can we bring some workers up here to work in this plant? Because we're not going to have any Canadians work it. I shouldn't say that. There, there are some Canadians working it, but they are a bunch. They're pulling up from another country to come work here for a tax-funded battery plant. We built it, but we're going to bring in the jobs from out of the country. How does that make sense? This was the whole promise of the Liberal Party, and they broke it again. Mm-hmm. What the heck is going on, Reg? Well, I just think it's interesting because I think it was, was it 3,000 jobs that they had promised yep. with this money? It, it's just, again, another another broken promise, like you said. I don't think there's much more to say about it than just like, yeah, it's uh, they're going to claim that we don't have enough skilled labor, um, that we don't have the individuals around that um, want to work it. It's like, okay, so then one, we either have an education gap that we can fill with people because there's lots of people losing their jobs and there's lots of people who can be trained. Canadians are smart. We mm-hmm. can train them. Um, and then they're like, well, if people don't want to work it because of the pay, it's like, well, maybe we should think about actually paying people a living wage and they'll want to work it. So we can train them on the job. We can give them a good wage. People will work. People want work. They just don't want work that isn't decent work. Right. But if you have another group of people who, one, maybe already have the education, two, looking for an in into Canada um, because they, they want to immigrate, and three, are willing to work for less money, I mean, you got a winning combination right there. Mm. So that's what's happening. I don't even think that's what's happening. <laughs> like they're going back to South Korea when this is done. Yeah. Like, what the heck is even that? Well, some of them might. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, when you look at the different programs that they're advertising right now, they're extending the benefits to temporary foreign workers. Right. So yeah. I, I don't think that they're all going to go back. I think that the term temporary is often thrown around and very rarely uh, actually the case. Really? Yeah. You don't think the government forces them to go back? No. We already need immigrants. Remember? <laughs> Go back to the other article. <laughs> and they're already here and they're trained and they got jobs. Like, why would we send them back? Mm, interesting. Yeah, this was, uh, this, the group that this was posted in when I first came across it, well, they were people, people were fired up in it, man. It's like, of course, another promise broken. Um, but questions in this article, it says, questions began swirling, however, after temporary foreign workers from South Korea started arriving in the city with indications that more than a thousand international workers could be landing in Windsor in 2024. Gee, and here we are. We just thought it was an important story to to touch on, but the other thing that we do need to talk about... Look at that. We expect 1,600 South Koreans traveling to work. That's over half of the amount of jobs that they had promised. Over half. Over 50% of the jobs they promised is going to people from outside this country. Want to see the proof? Proof is in the pudding, babies. All right, I'm just going to pull this photo up here. All right. So this is the liberal MP for the area. Irek Kuzmirzik posted this tweet. In the 2021 election, I promised to bring home EV and battery manufacturing for Windsor. 
Tecumseh. Oh, baby, that's a good one. Through the hard negotiations, we remained steadfast that we would secure the battery plant and thousands of jobs of our community. Promise made, promise kept, jobs delivered. <laughs> Praise God. He says, you should see the hundreds of workers now working and building our battery plant. Wait till you see the 3,000 plus workers building the batteries inside. More jobs means more workers building their future, their families, and our community right here. That's why liberal. <laughs> like, bro, get it, get it figured out, bud. Yeah. Uh, the audacity of posting that in September 8th, 2023. That didn't age well. No. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah, that did not age well. Um, what's also funny is that, I don't know if you saw, but Toyota is talking about actually having solid state battery technology. Um, and what makes that special is that right now, lithium ion batteries rely on liquid state. Um, and that's what makes them kind of dangerous so that if you have some kind of accident or something like that and that that fluid gets out, it's explosive, um, right. people get incinerated. That's why everybody's like freaking out. And it's also what makes it so harmful to the earth is you need that lithium to, to keep things at a liquid state. So Toyota is coming out in the next one to two years. They've said that they have figured out the solution to solid state and they're going to be rolling out all their vehicles with solid state. What happens to this multi-billion dollar complex that we just bought and now we're building to build liquid state batteries? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just wild. Probably goes with the um, all the vaccines that they bought and never used and threw them out. Yeah. Or Woo! talking about New Brunswick again, when they uh, promised Sears that they would build all these um, call centers in New Brunswick and uh, funded it with taxpayer dollars and then two months later Sears went out of business <laughs> oh wow we, we love, love Canada we love giving our corporations money like and just to just... screw us over <laughs> <laughs> oh he smokes well as we kind of wind down here this is something I definitely we need definitely need to talk about pollsters are getting lit up in this country mm-hmm People are not happy, specifically people on the left, people who uh, the polls don't favor their side. They're not happy. So this came about um, just last week. Uh, interesting. Jennifer herself, Jennifer L. Says liberals here on Twitter are now resorting to threatening name calling and spreading conspiracy theories about pollsters and people who post polling numbers here in Canada. Surprise, surprise. People are not people are not accept, aren't happy with what the results of these polls are. And I'm starting to see a lot of these left wing accounts um that I follow saying the same thing. They were blocked by polling Canada, and many of their friends are being blocked by polling Canada, and they're seeing it as a badge of honor. So look at these comments on this post. Uh so Vicky Campbell says, Yeah, I'm blocked too. Isn't that special? Ha ha ha. And uh, and Eric Tarantino, Aaron Tarantino, I should say, I blocked them after they sent their bot farm after me for calling out their lies and disinformation tactics. I'm blocked too. They have become, become a rogue and keep reposting their fake polls. They must have been bought by the conservatives. Goes on and on and on as you can imagine. Lol, I blocked them first. <laughs> He's, it's crazy to me, these people. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Those poll results are seemingly well, uh, well, well, fec- what? that doesn't even sound like that's not even English, but they're saying that these polls are fictional. 
Polling Canada isn't a real polling organization. And you know what? You're technically right. Because do you know what Polling Canada is? They're not a they're not a polling they're not a poll company. They're an aggregator. All they do is aggregate all from all the polls across the country and show what the results are. And people are not happy with what the stuff they're posting. So I'll pull up Polling Canada's account right now. They had to do this after all the attacks they've been getting. We do not conduct polls. <laughs> a content aggregator is an entity that pulls together web or media content applications or both from online sources for use, reuse or resale. And people are coming after them because they're not posting the favorable results of what's going on with their party. So what are these people? Are these people going after CTV News posting this for an Ipsos poll? Or Nanos, I should say? When they got 35% conservatives ballot support, 27.7% ballot support for the liberals, 21.7% for the NDP. People yelling at CTV for posting this Nanos poll because it doesn't post favorable results from these. Get out of my face, man. It's unreal. People, you all wasted my time. And these are the first people that would call out conservatives for shutting down democracy if they did anything like this on the other side. Yeah. This is the state we're at. You talked about division in this country. Here we go. You have people full on attacking pollsters now, which obviously there's been times where, yeah, the polls, they're never right. You know, that happens every election. But where people literally just start to go after these people aggressively because of they call them fake polls. Fake news? Come on, man. I think it's hard because right now we're living in an age where we don't know what's true and what's not true anymore. I think that's like the hard thing. We've got so much meddling. I mean, like we just recently heard a report um, about how deep the Chinese government had been meddling in Canadian politics and to the point where they're actually looking at deep fakes and... Um, like fake news articles that were put out uh, with claims that were just never even said by different members. And it was attacks on both the liberals and the conservatives, mostly the conservatives because they knew that Justin was going to be favorable to, um, China. to China. So, but there was still different conservative or sorry, uh, liberal writings where they felt that the candidate would not be favorable for China. So they meddled in that. And so I think people are also just looking at all this stuff going, I don't even know what's real anymore, but you know what? I know what's real, what I think. So therefore <laughs> everything else is fake. And so I think we like, we're in a real, um, information, um, uh, crisis. Information war, baby. Yeah. It's information war. It's an information crisis. And it's funny. Um, I forget which Roman emperor said it, it was like the first thing to die in war is, is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's what it's feeling like. Um, and so I, I kind of feel for people because I, I just, it's hard. It takes a lot of effort. I know we said this last show, it, it takes a lot of work to parse out what information is fact and what information is fiction. And then, yeah, I, I still say, I hate the whole like misinformation, disinformation, whatever that word is. It's lies. What's lies. What's not lies. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's hard and it takes a lot of effort. And oftentimes even things that aren't direct lies are just kind of somebody's opinion, like ours, somebody's opinion on a topic. And then, you know, 
people take that as gospel truth, run with it, maybe expand on it a bit more with their own opinions, and eventually you get something that's completely morphed out of reality. And yeah, then you just have this crisis. <laughs> yeah. And then the other part is that people aren't seeing the humanity in another person and they're not actually saying, okay, why does this person think this way? Why is this, what is this person's values? What does this person actually believe? And it's just an outright attack. And it's really easy. It's also really easy to do it online. Mm -hmm. Like that's why people are like, I did a thing today. I attacked Canada polls. It's like, cool. Congratulations. (laughs) You did it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this, this girl, Vicki Campbell, she's pretty, or what should say woman, uh, Vicki Campbell's pretty prominent and on the, at least on the left. And this is the issue again, what I have with what's coming up with this next election in 2025, the stuff that people are saying and how they're othering people and how they just say things that have no truth to them whatsoever. I point to this tweet. If you're a Canadian, she says thinking we need a change for prime ministers. Does not mean you're okay? Giving up your public health care, child tax benefit, 10 day childcare, dental CPP, climate plan, women's and LGBTQ rights, etc. Are you suddenly okay with becoming a marginalized and poor? Quite, quite frankly, I've gotten bored under this current prime minister. Yeah. I don't want to answer that one. <laughs> yeah, honestly, same. <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, that's like there's the blanket statement. About, We're going to lose all these things if conservatives get in power. Well, oh my gosh, like just the fear mongering of these people is unreal to me. See, and like I look at this, and I'm like, there's things I can pick out of there that would be like. Yeah, there's things I'm worried about. Public health care, that is something I'm actually worried about under a conservative government. I think that the idea of conservative governments is has and always been, you know, less government control, less government oversight, let the pub, or private sector do what it does best. That concerns me about public health care. So, yeah, that one I'm like, okay, we're not going to give it up. Are you you kidding me? It's enshrined in our in our rights and freedoms, like healthcare. <laughs> Like that's not happening. That's one of the things we identify as being. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know what I mean. But uh, yeah, so that's not going anywhere. Is it going to be probably weakened if they allow private entities into the into the ring? Yeah, it might look completely different than what we have right now, and that is something I'm genuinely worried about. Child tax benefit? That's not going anywhere. That's still staying there. Ten dollar a day child care? I don't know. That one might be up for grabs. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But nobody's really said anything about that. So it's weird that that's included. And those are even, are not even barely accessible as it is now. So it, They're not. Yeah. <laughs> like, so. As a as a parent with a kid who may eventually go into childcare, not accessible for me. It's quite frankly, it doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Uh, dental, uh, they're not going to roll that back. There's no way. Uh, CPP, we have no idea what's happening with that. Alberta might throw us a wild card. They might not. They might be just like, blowing smoke right now to try and like make waves who knows climate plan yeah probably the current one we got is sucks so like carbon tax you're totally right that's going yeah <laughs> see ya women and lgbt who writes no that's not going anywhere that's already in our constitution or sorry our charter of rights and freedoms that's not going anywhere like mm-hmm. women are not suddenly going to lose rights and become second class citizens and neither is the lgbtq community um yeah, that's not happening. And frankly, like you said, I have become poorer under this current government. My dollar is worth way less than it was before. Like, yeah, my groceries are burning a hole in my pocket. Like, dude, it's like, like you know, as someone, 
we're gonna laugh about it but as someone who's like heavy into bitcoin right now like it's really discouraging to look at how much a canadian dollar is worth for bitcoin versus what an american dollar is yeah and that's been a huge indicator to me of how bad the Canadian dollar is falling right now. It's a joke. We're like a buck thirty-seven for an American dollar right now. Mm-hmm. I think when Trudeau took over, like it wasn't great, but we were like a buck fifteen, buck sixteen, something like that. And it's just like it's just tanked, and it's getting worse. And that's what I'm saying. Like I'm getting, I'm trying my best to get out of the Canadian dollar as much as I can. Things toilet paper at this point, dog. And and that's what investors are doing. Yeah. And so that's why like everybody came at us over our comments on the UBI. Like, what do you think is going to happen if like one, our dollar is already worth garbage right now and we can't buy our necessities. You throw a bunch of more money at people and hope that that makes it better. It's like, no, the money's already worthless. True. Like, like look what happened in, in Germany post world war. Like they had like wheelbarrows going full of money because it wasn't worth anything. Mm-hmm. And like, that's where we're heading if we keep down the path that we're on. So yeah, if some of these things have to be get cut so that we don't, you know, economically collapse, that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's like, the way it crumbles, man. I mean, we've all had to make cuts in our own lives. Everybody has. So, I mean, that has to happen at the top too. Yeah. I'm just thinking that like, maybe the first thing to go shouldn't be dental. Maybe it should be, uh. The governor general, <laughs> maybe some of all those mansions that we currently pay or the fact that when I was looking up uh, bill S uh, 201 all around those bills, like every second or third or fourth bill was just like a bill to um, give money to her majesty, the queen. It was just like, why are we, ah, and like you look through it and it's like, you know, this many members voted in favor to send the royalty like this much money. And it's just like, why are we still doing that, Canada? Why? Talk about national identity. There's so many knobs out there. They're like, I'm so happy that we have a queen or now we have a king. Yeah, so happy we have a, so happy we have the king. And it's like, why? <laughs> why are you happy about that? Yeah, we're about, to spend, we're about to spend a bunch of money switching up our money. I know. Let's go. Yeah, not gonna be worth the money it's printed on, but you know, yeah. Here. So, yeah, that's kind of where things are at. Uh, for the most part, um, I mean, big news: federal government taking a huge swing at Airbnb today too. Yeah, that was huge. Um, which essentially, like, they're looking at anyone who has an Airbnb, they're not gonna allow you to deduct any expenses you've spent on that against your rental in- your rental income. Mm-hmm. Which is like when you start leveraging the CRA against the Airbnb homies, ooh. I think Airbnb is hitting some tough, tough parts. I don't know if they're going to yeah. survive. They're getting legislated at every level of government in this country. Yeah, and they've also just been bad, like business operators. Yeah, true. I mean, when your cleaning fees outpace your actual like stays, like it's just wild. Dude, people are so selfish because like that's that's set by the owner. Yeah, and it it blows my mind of how much they they charge for cleaning fee. I'm like just. At the very least, from a UX perspective, just make that a part of your your rate. Yeah. Like, it looks so bad on you. <laughs> but it's funny, though, is that because we had this experience where we, we rented an Airbnb um, for a group of us. We went skiing. And uh, it was like cleaning fee was outrageous. But we were like, okay, there's enough of us splitting this Airbnb. We can cover this outrageous fee. Um, but then inside the house, there was a whole list of cleaning instructions it's like, 
what are we paying this fee for if you want us to leave the place like spotless? Right. Like not a chance. We already paid for that. You yeah. know, we should leave this place like a pigsty and not have to pay anything because we paid to have it cleaned by you. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> not a chance. Yeah, yeah. It, we'll see it ends up happening with Airbnb in this country. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. But I, yeah, I don't think they're going to survive. And that's a lot of people are starting to divest out of these extra properties now to address, again, the housing shortage. And I think that's obviously partially why they're trying to get Airbnbs out. Just yeah. free up some free up some homes. But yeah, so people who got Airbnbs right now, I'm I put my hand up as one of them, man. Like I'm, I'm staying out of that game now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking at other investment strategies at this point because our real estate is just too much in flux right now for my liking. Um, I've got the properties I want, and we're gonna keep them as is. But like anything that's kind of additional, like an Airbnb or something like that, just it's going a big one. <laughs> but. Did you also see that uh, NATO is investing a bunch of money and the federal government is also backing up with a bunch of money to to put a new, uh, they call it Diana. So it's mm-hmm. um, something innovation um, of the North Atlantic. <laughs> we have to look it up. Yeah, definition of defense. Yeah, Defense Innovation Agency, North Atlantic, I think. But uh, yeah, so they are pouring in, I'm, I can't remember how many, I think it's 26 million and then another 180 from the federal government. Gee. Yeah. Uh, oh man. <laughs> uh, you said who was it again? Not NATO. NATO. A defense accelerator for the North Atlantic. Yeah. And so we're throwing 26 million of that? Um, NATO's... NATO's putting in twenty six million. We're mm-hmm. putting, I think, uh, like one hundred and eighty something million over the next couple of years. Um, Come right here to Halifax. Wow. Yeah. So they were scouting out the uh, the area last year. So last uh, last November they had uh, put in a bid and said, you yeah, know, Halifax would be a good place to put that. And then this year, the uh, defense minister at the security forum, which had a very large protest at it of like twenty people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they announced that uh, they were picking Halifax as the spot. So we're going to get a lot of money thrown at the bases here. And they're looking to expand, uh, um, I think it's uh, CFB Halifax mm-hmm. and uh, Shearwater and Staticona and all the bases in the city and around uh, the city and uh, pour a lot of money into them and make them state of the art. So not only will we have all the people coming to, to build these things, but uh, you'll have a lot more defense personnel coming to the city too. So it's uh, good for good for businesses here. So Yeah, and uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more American boats in the harbor too. Yeah, so it's good time to be in Halifax. Gee, that's crazy, dude. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing that, dude. What a show that was, man. <laughs> we hit everything and we fired up the homies. But, uh, but yeah, good show, dude. So... Whatever it is you're doing, whether you be going to the gym, watching somebody eat uh, potato salad, <laughs> or watching Selling Sunset, whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace. <laughs>